South Carolina's football team had their first scrimmage of the spring this past Saturday. And there seems to be one concern that Shane Bimmer has regarding the offense. Our Locked On Gamecocks, your daily podcast on the South Carolina Gamecocks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Gamecock Nation, and welcome back to the Lockdown Gamecocks Podcast, your show for the latest headlines and potential storylines on South Carolina Gamecock Athletics. I'm Andrew Lyon, the host of this podcast, and also a staff writer for Gamecocks Digest over on SI.com. Thank you for making Lockdown Gamecocks your first listen or watch here today. We are free and available on YouTube and wherever you get your audio podcasts daily. The South Carolina Gamecocks had their first scrimmage of spring ball this past Saturday. And obviously, when a new team, in this case, hosts their first scrimmage of the calendar year, it's not always going to be perfect. There's going to be some good plays made by both sides of the ball and some bad plays made by both sides of the ball. But Regarding South Carolina's offense, which has seen a lot of change, both in terms of the personnel and in terms of their offensive play caller this offseason, there seems to be one concern that's already starting to develop this spring, at least coming out of the first scrimmage, and that is the lack of explosive plays. And South Carolina is going to need multiple guys to step up in order to offset this problem throughout the rest of spring practice fall camp, and eventually the 2023 football season. Shane Beamer talked about South Carolina's scrimmage at his weekly press conference yesterday afternoon, and this is what he had to say in particular regarding the offense's lack of explosive plays. That was preceded by our first scrimmage of the spring. Got a lot of work in, about 115 plays uh, offensively have to be more explosive in the passing game. Uh, did a lot of perimeter work and, and getting the ball out on the perimeter, bubbles and things like that, it's trying to evaluate guys. Can they block on the perimeter? Can they make people miss? But when we do drop back and throw it or or uh, take shots, we've got to be able to hit explosives. We were a different offense last season at the end of the season because we were more explosive. So we've got to continue to be more explosive, but credit the defense for preventing a lot of explosive uh, passes on Saturday, you know, defensively and, and along those lines, have, have some guys out injury-wise on defense in the secondary right now. Uh, so we were really thin back there, and those guys had a lot of had to play a lot of plays and did a good job. Now, before we really dive into the lack of explosive plays for the Gamecocks offense this past Saturday, I want to dive into a couple of quick obvious points here. First of all, obviously, it is extremely early in spring practice, and we have almost five more months to go before South Carolina season gets underway and these games actually start to count. Secondly, Dow Loggins, the Gamecocks' new offensive coordinator, is likely still installing the Gamecocks' offense, and so because of that, it's not going to look as good as they would like probably in the immediate. So basically in the first few weeks of this offense, again, trying to get his scheme, which seems to be the same, but mainly his terminology and way of communication down pat. And lastly, the thing that we all, or at least the majority of us know about 
spring practice, and fall camp for a major college football program is that the defense is typically ahead of the offense at that point in the offseason. And combined with the other aforementioned factors, this might be more so the case with Sapcon's offense during this portion of spring practice so far. Here's why things are a bit concerning, though, regarding this lack of explosive plays. Firstly, Coach Beamer admitted during his press conference on Tuesday that the secondary is currently banged up and that there were multiple backups that had to play significant snaps in the team's scrimmage this past Saturday. And I've got to say, if that is indeed the case, and obviously we have no reason to believe that it wouldn't be the case in terms of injuries, this is not a good sign that South Carolina starters, presumably, are not able to beat this backup group of defensive backs, at least at certain spots, and create a bunch of explosive plays in this offense, in spite of the fact that they've only really been getting to know this offense of Dow Loggins for just the past few weeks. Here's the other thing that is concerning that has nothing to do with what the team has done in practice the past couple days. South Carolina's offense did lose a ton of their explosive play production from last year. 65.7% of their explosive plays, to be exact. And here's a sub-fact to go along with this. Out of the 34.3% of returning explosive play production from this past fall, about half of those plays belong to Antoine Juice-Wells. This means that this offense needs some other guys to step up in this regard, specifically veteran offensive skill players that are mainly going to be involved in South Carolina's passing attack, which to this point seems like it's going to be the main route in which South Carolina will try to be productive on the offensive side of the ball in 2023. So who could those guys be specifically? Well, firstly, I would point to a guy like Xavier Leggett, a guy that's obviously entering his fifth year in the program now, and somebody that has, again, flashed in multiple different games to this point in his career. His main issue has been being able to consistently put those flashes together to where he is constantly making plays week in and week out. Xavier Leggett had three explosive plays this past year, so the potential is there, but now... It's time for Xavier Leggett to put it all together. Trey Knox and Joshua Simon, the tight end duo that the Gamecocks got out of the transfer portal this offseason. They're likely going to have to be heavily relied on in terms of trying to, again, fill in that void of explosive plays that the Gamecocks lost from other guys like a Jaheim Bell, an Austin Stockner, a Marshawn Lloyd, all of whom have left the program this offseason. And then... Another player or two that will have to help out in this area of the offense are Amari Brown and potentially true freshman Nicholas Harper. Amari Brown had four explosive plays this past year, and much like Xavier Leggett, he's a guy that has played now four years of college ball. He's heading into his final year in the sport, unless, of course, some freak injury happens, which obviously we hope is not the case. So... Amari Brown, he's now been here for three years. It's time for him to put it all together. Nicholas Harper, look, not saying that he's going to have to, of course, start, and not saying that he is going to start, but 
considering how much South Carolina is still trying to bring along the depth, the guys behind this initial group of veteran players, especially wide receiver, Nicholas Harper may have to make an impact in year one. And the thing is, there's multiple ways in which South Carolina's offensive coaching staff could try and get all of these players the football to create these explosive plays more often in 2023. And we're going to dive into how they could do that in just a couple moments right here on Locked On Gamecocks. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel. Now, the NBA's regular season is nearing the home stretch, and the playoffs are about to get underway. So right now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because if you're a new customer on FanDuel right now, you can get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. The FanDuel Sportsbook app is safe, it's secure, and it's super easy to use, and you can bet on anything that you want from a money line to a specific prop bet and much, much more. The Milwaukee Bucks are currently the favorites to win the NBA Finals, with the odds being listed at plus 240. I like the Milwaukee Bucks out of the NBA playoffs at this point because of the fact that they simply have Giannis Antetokounmpo. He is one of the best players in the NBA today, a guy that has a fantastic story, and someone who can absolutely dominate a basketball game when he's got things rolling on the floor. So who do you think the NBA champions could be in the NBA playoffs. Don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Welcome back to this Wednesday edition of the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast, where we cover your South Carolina Gamecocks every single day. All right, now we are talking about South Carolina's ability to produce explosive plays and the fact that they need multiple guys to step up this next season. And I mentioned guys like Xavier Leggett, Trey Knox, Joshua Simon, Amarian Brown, Nicholas Harper. And here's the thing. South Carolina's football coaching staff can find multiple ways to get each of these guys the football. Let's start with Xavier Leggett. Leggett is a guy that I would describe as a real stocky wide receiver that is just a flat-out football player. He's a guy that is built for contact in the SEC, but he's also got solid speed to pair up with that. And because of that combination, that makes Xavier Leggett quite dangerous after the catch, especially when he is on the run or going downhill. And so because of that, there's a few different ways in which this offensive staff could try to get Xavier to get some opportunities to create explosive plays. You could call maybe some bubble screens for Xavier Leggett. You could pair that up as an RPO option with a potential run option in the box. You can also call a good old-fashioned slant route for Xavier Leggett. You could also call a dig route for him where he runs 10, 15 yards down the field, then just cuts 
horizontally straight across the football field. You could also try to run some comeback routes with him where he basically comes back towards the sideline and can create some space. And who knows, if he has enough space to try to get back upfield, it could offer him a one-on-one opportunity against an opposing SEC cornerback in the open field. And again, with Xavier Leggett's size and the physicality that he plays with, I would not bet against Xavier Leggett to make plays happen off those kind of routes. He could also maybe be put on some crossing routes and post routes to, again, take advantage of that speed that he does possess at the wide receiver position. For Trey Knox and Joshua Simon, they're going to be used a little bit differently, or at least should be used a little bit differently, than maybe how the Gamecocks should have used an Austin Stockner this past year. Because... Austin Stockner, unlike the two guys I just mentioned, he was a guy that, you know, again, is a good athlete for his size, but mainly is someone that offered a pretty big frame and a massive catch radius. So, essentially, for a guy like Stockner, you would have wanted to put him in open space and just have him basically sit there and wait for the pass to come to him. For Trey Knox and Joshua Simon, however, that is not going to be the way in which they should be utilized. These two guys are experienced receiving threats in college football, and they do not need to be standing still. These guys need to be constantly moving. So, for these guys, you want to put them on, say, some out routes, which, again, can be a simple just 5-yard out route or a 10-yard out route. You can put these guys on drag routes, which is basically sort of a crossing route, but just two, three, four yards down the field where you're barely clearing the offensive line. You could also put these guys on some sail routes where they sort of look like they're on a crossing route, but then they eventually cut out towards the sidelines once they get about 10, 12 yards down the field. And you could also put these guys on some seam routes as well. Trey Knox, of course, is a former wide receiver that was converted to tight end at Arkansas just two, three years ago. And Joshua Simon, again, he plays tight end, but he is more of that modern-day tight end that while he's not afraid to go in line with the offensive line and help out in blocking, his main strength is going to be catching the football. So for these two tight ends, that's the way that you want to utilize these guys. Have them on routes where they are constantly moving. Don't just sit them in one spot. That's not the best way to utilize Trey Knox and Joshua Simon. Let them go downfield. Let them run some receiver-like routes and get the ball to them so that the defense has to respect those underneath passing options from South Carolina's tight end group. And then for Amari Brown and Nicholas Harper, uh, the explanation for these guys in terms of how to get them the football is pretty simple. These two guys are absolute burners. They need to be running intermediate to deep passing routes almost every single time they are out there on the football field. So, for these guys, send them on some post routes, some corner routes, send them on a deep fade route, some good old-fashioned shot routes where they just literally run a straight vertical down the field, and also send them on some dig routes. Basically, let these guys go 10-plus yards down the field, let their speed get them open, and trust Spencer Rattler to put the football where he needs to, where these guys can go and catch the ball, and therefore create an explosive play in South Carolina's passing game. There's no need to overcomplicate things when it comes to Amari Brown and Nicholas Harper. Now, obviously, you can't send them on a deep route every single time they take the field because that is a tendency that opposing defensive coordinators and staffs will eventually catch on to. But the point being, these guys, they should not be running screens. They should not be running slants. 
They should be running down the field. And obviously, Dow Loggins, I'm sure, can see that. And I'm sure that he and the staff have a plethora of ideas for how they want to try to get each of these guys the football. But in terms of guys that need to step up and help create more explosive plays for South Carolina's passing game, guys like Xavier Leggett, Trey Knox, Joshua Simon, Amari Brown, and Nicholas Harper, they all give you varying skill sets to where you could use different route combinations to best utilize them as football players when they are out there with the rest of the offense. You do not need to split up this offense into different personnel groupings to where you got 9 to 12 guys that are going out there. Let these four, five, six guys be out there on the field with Antoine Juice Wells and let Spencer Rattler build a rapport with these guys on these plays that involve these route concepts. And if you do that, then Sacklon's offense combined with the streamlined communication and terminology from Dow Loggins to Spencer Rattler could see explosive plays become a much bigger constant with this football team in 2023. All right, now let's switch gears from South Carolina's football team over to South Carolina's women's basketball team because winds of change are coming to Columbia this offseason. Every single one of the freshies have made their final decision. And every single one of them is leaving South Carolina's women's basketball program. This does not probably come as a massive shock to really anybody out there. Maybe some people thought Letitia Meher could come back and play with this team for another season. Maybe there was some thought that maybe Zai Cook would stick around for another year. But each and every one of these players have made their final decision. They're all heading on to play in the WNBA draft. And Olivia Thompson, who of course was the beloved walk-on on the team, is moving on to the next stage of her life wherever that ends up taking her. So... Because of that, it's now time to look ahead to the future of South Carolina's women's basketball program and see what's in store for them. What do they have currently and what do they need to get potentially out of the transfer portal this offseason? Because here's the thing, the Gamecocks do return seven players from the team that played this past season. They returned center Camilla Cardoso. They returned forwards Saniya Fagan and Ashlyn Watkins. They returned wing players in Bree Hall and Chloe Kitts. And they also returned guards Raven Johnson and Talasia Cooper. The Gamecocks, along with their seven returnees, are also bringing in three signees this offseason. And guard Malaysia Fulwali from right down the road at Keenan High School in the Columbia area. You've also got guard Tessa Johnson out of Minnesota. And you've got wing player Sonia Ja from the state of Florida, I want to say. Now, Full Wiley, of course, we dove into her game already on a previous show. She's going to offer superstar offensive playmaking ability because she could shoot the ball from deep three-point range and she can also drive it to the basket. She can make acrobatic layups and also finish through contact. For Tessa Johnson, from what I've seen from her highlight reels, she offers solid court vision at the guard position. She can pull up from three-point range on a moment's notice. She can also drive to the basket, has some driving hesitation moves with her game, and she also has a mid-range jumper in her arsenal as well. So Tessa Johnson can score from all three levels of the floor, but again, it's not afraid to help facilitate her team's offense. And then Sonja Ja is someone that's got incredible ball handling for her position, which can make her quite dangerous when taking the ball to the rack 
on the offensive end. So that is sort of the skill set that each of these three signees are going to bring to Don Staley's squad this upcoming winter. Now, the problem is this. This leaves South Carolina with just 10 players currently on the roster, and that's not even including any potential transfers that could enter the portal over the coming days. So what do the Gamecocks still need as of this current moment? Well, in my opinion, the Gamecocks need to get at least two more players from the transfer portal. They need to get a front court player, and they need to get a guard. So who are some potential targets that the Gamecocks could go after in the portal? Well, let's start off with the one forward option that I think they should go after in Arizona forward Lauren Ware. Now, the positives with Lauren Ware is this. She has the height to pair up with Camila Cardoso at that five spot for South Carolina. Cardoso, of course, is six foot seven. Lauren Ware is six foot five. So there wouldn't be too much of a drop-off in terms of the overall height and size advantage at that spot. Lauren Ware also averaged 5.7 points and 4.2 rebounds in just 21.8 minutes per game on average in 25 contests in the 2021-22 season. But that leads into the negative here with Lauren Ware, and that's the fact that Lauren Ware missed the entire season this past year due to an injury. And because of that, whichever team she ends up joining, she would need to get some time to reacclimate to the game of basketball. And based on the stats, would probably not be the biggest offensive threat coming off the bench, at least in the initial phase of her return to the court. So, Lord Ware, to put it bluntly, she would offer you some height and she would offer you some power five experience that not many other forwards in the transfer portal offer. But she's not somebody that is going to be able to sort of play maybe the Camilla Cardoso role of this past year, where she can just automatically play 20 plus minutes right from the jump and be extremely productive, especially on the offensive end. It's going to take some time for her to get readjusted. So that is the one negative if Safcon does choose to pursue her out of the portal. Let's move on now to some guard options. Safcon could go after Oregon guard Tahina Peopeo, who averaged 13.1 points per game this past season with the Oregon Ducks, along with 4.2 rebounds, 3.3 assists, and 1.3 steals per game. And here's the thing that really jumps off the page here with Peopeo. She did all of this while shooting 44% from the floor and 42.4% from three-point land on 191 attempts. So to put it bluntly, she would be a fantastic option as a pure sharpshooter for South Carolina's basketball team. Here's the one potential negative with Peo Peo that I cannot really validate, but it's just a pure assumption based off of the Pac-12 she is likely coming from a school in Oregon that probably runs a drastically different offense compared to South Carolina. So fitting into the Gamecocks overall scheme here in Columbia could potentially be a challenge for someone like Tahina Peo Peo. So that would be maybe the one roadblock there. But again, with what she offers on the offensive end, she could be somebody that Don Stanley and the staff would want to heavily pursue out of the portal. Let's move on to a couple of SEC guards now, starting off with Auburn guard Aisha Kulabali, who is quite familiar with Dawn Staley and her program because of the fact that she already plays in the SEC. And here's the thing. She's got size that she offers at the guard spot, being listed at six foot zero inches tall, 
and she uses it quite effectively in terms of scoring the basketball, averaging 16 points per game and also getting 6.5 rebounds per game while securing 2.7 steals per game this past season alone. So she can score the basketball, she can also rebound her own misses, and she also can help out on the defensive end of the floor in terms of creating turnovers. The one negative with Kuobali is this. She's not much of a jump shooter. As according to the analytical site Pivot Analysis, Kuobali takes around 70% of her offensive attempts right around the rim. So she is not somebody that's going to be like Isaiah Cook or even say maybe a Bree Beal in terms of her jump shooting ability. She's going to be somebody that's going to drive inside to the paint. That could make her a little bit predictable in terms of her offensive game against some of these tougher non-conference opponents that she would deal with if she came to South Carolina. But again, she could still be a very viable option for Don Staley and the squad due to how hard she plays, what she offers in terms of rebounding, and what she offers in terms of her defensive effort on that end of the floor. And then the last player I jotted down in terms of a viable portal target for Don Staley and this team is Kentucky guard Jada Walker. Same sort of positives here like Kuobali. She has experience in the SEC, two years of starting experience at Kentucky, and is quite familiar with Don Staley and her program. She is also a two-way player who gives it 110% effort every time she's out there on the floor. I can attest to that because I've watched multiple Kentucky games, and it's quite impressive just how much of a motor Jada Walker has. She averaged 12.9 points, 3.1 assists, 3.1 rebounds, and 2.6 steals per game this past season alone. So, what is the one potential negative that Jada Walker has? Well, it's her height. Jada Walker is listed at 5 foot 7 inches tall, according to her player profile from Kentucky's website. So, for Jada Walker, she would not be the point guard at South Carolina. That's going to be Raven Johnson's role no matter what heading into next season, which means that if Jada Walker was to transfer here and start, she would be playing that two-guard spot. And honestly, she's sort of similar to a Malaysia full Wiley, except for Walker probably offers more a little bit on defense, but at the same time, in terms of overall athleticism, Malaysia full Wiley probably offers a little bit more in that department. So, Again, it kind of depends on sort of what Don Staley and this staff are going to be looking for. Are you looking for conference experience? Are you looking for somebody that is going to be a big help in terms of shooting the basketball? Are you looking for some players that are just going to get after it when they're out there on the floor and can play solid defense? No matter who they're going after, all these players offer something unique that South Carolina could use on their team this next season. And overall... The Gamecocks have got to add at least a couple players to their roster because they cannot go into the next season with just 10 players. That's not enough for the schedule that the Gamecocks are likely going to be playing this next winter. So it'll be interesting to see how Don Staley and this staff go about attacking and reloading this offseason in light of the losses of all of the Freshies group who are all moving on to the WNBA or the next stage of their life. And with that being said, y'all, that's going to do it for today's show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. I hope y'all thoroughly enjoyed today's show, as always. What are your thoughts on Shane Beamer's comments regarding the lack of explosive plays from South Carolina's offense in their first scrimmage of the spring? Who do you think on offense needs to step up to try and 
help correct that potential problem in 2023? Let me know your thoughts on that and the other topics I discussed on today's show down below in the comments section. If you watch today's show on YouTube, or if you listen to today's show on an audio podcast app, you can shoot me a direct message on Twitter at a line underscore SC, and I'll try to respond to your message as quickly as I see it. And once again, I thank y'all so much for making Lockdown Gamecocks your first listen or watch here today. For your next listen, check out Lockdown College Basketball, where experts Isaac Shade and Andy Patton bring you everything you need to know both on and off the court in light of the conclusion of both the women's and men's NCAA tournaments. Plus, hear from big-name experts, coaches, and players throughout the basketball landscape. Locked on College Basketball is available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. But once again, y'all, that does it for me on today's show. Have a great rest of your Wednesday, and I will catch y'all on the next show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast.